Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Film Seizure. I'm Jason Oliver. I am Jeff Arbuckle. And I'm Chuck Moore. Yes, that's right. We have Chuck Moore back for another episode of Film Seizure here. And uh, we are talking today, this week, about the 1982 film Next of Kin. Yeah, I love Patrick Swayze in this movie. He's dreamy. Yeah. He's yes. dreamy. He is, he's very he's dreamy. He's very dreamy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you jumped right in there because I was going to qualify the fact that this is not... Wait, the, the, it's, the, it's the, not? The, we did not watch the Patrick Swayze the movie one, Next of Kin. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, there is another movie, Next of Kin, from 1989, starring um, the the very... The be- incomparable. The incomparable, the, the dreamy... Handsome. The, the dearly the departed... Patrick Swayze. But that's not what we watched. What, what's this one about? So, uh, 1982's Next of Kin is um, is kind of one of those movies that came around the end of the Australian New Wave um, period of of their their sort of filmmaking boom in Australia. Osploitation. Yeah, the osploitation movement within um, Australia. <laughs> yeah appropriately yes named, yes i guess <laughs> they uh and it's funny i for a long time uh before i understood what osploitation was i thought it was like wizard some kind of, of weird wizard of oz yeah. thing yeah like, yeah wizard i was like was what I was like, yeah what the fuck is this and i it, it took me a little while and a little <laughs> bit of research to realize oh it's like just the pronunciation yeah kind of weird <laughs> um, it's, it's 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 movies only made in the Outback Steakhouse. Yes, with Bloomin' Onions. Yeah. Yeah, Bloomin' Onions. Aussie, Aussie Bloomin' Onions. <laughs> Which, incidentally, the, uh, the theme song, the music for um, Outback Steakhouse, the... Uh, uh, I, can't, I can't... It's not... I can't do it. I can't do the the hum the tune. You know you how can't I hum am. A you tune? know how I am with You can't tunes. hum a tune? But it's that... Um, <laughs> it's that song by... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ! Um, oh, Jesus Christ! I remember he had a few. We come from a land down under. Um, well, I'm gonna blow this because I can't remember. No, it's not. Yeah, that work. is minute work. Yeah. But that's uh, not oh, the of outback. Montreal, of Montreal. Yes. They, they, they somehow I don't know how that happened, but they licensed one of their songs to Outback Steakhouse, and and they turned it into an Australian uh, hit. They probably got a lot of money for it. They probably did. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think they're an American band with a Canadian name. That are huge in Australia. That are huge in Australia. (laughs) 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 But, yeah, we're already way off track. This is good. This is all staying in. But, yeah, so the Australian New Wave. Uh, This is kind of... One that I dug into just recently. I know Jeff that you've you're a big fan of this film movement. Yes, um, uh, particularly uh, stuff like Patrick. Uh, yeah. Thirst. I'm going to crack a Foster's here. There we go. Something <laughs> for beer. <laughs> fucking liars. Right? Miller Foster's. Yeah. Something, Something for beer. beer. <laughs> yeah, that was I fucked that up earlier. Um, <laughs> we have fun when we watch movies. <laughs> um, yes, uh, but yeah, Patrick, Patrick, uh, Thirst, Thirst is a, is one I like. Um, Snapshot, and, Snapshot, yeah, that's a big one. The, d- the day after Halloween, which yes. is how it was sold in the United States. Which is funny because, well, just go and read my B movie anima. Uh, that just came out uh, a couple weeks ago, so. Oddly enough, on the day after Halloween. Wow. 
there's right? a that there, is odd. <laughs> there's a really good documentary, um, not quite Hollywood. That yeah, that digs a really di- it's a really nice deep dive into the exploitation movement, and it really talks about the the early sort of um, sort of boner comedies that in a, in a lot of ways launched this movement. But then there was kind of this strange thing where you had these really amazing Australian art pictures that were being produced right alongside these very um, like horror centric or um, or or action oriented like kind of like these lowbrow movies oh and these God, highbrow wait. movies that were they were being produced in tandem. There's the one that everybody knows. What's that? Mad Max. Oh, of course. Of course, Mad Max. Yeah. Mad Max is part of this movement and yeah, I just I mean, think that's it, the one everybody knows. I just think it's funny that you've got you've got movies like um, in 1975 you have The Man from Hong Kong, yeah. which is a pretty famous kung fu movie. Um, that was Australian produced. That was produced the same year as Peter Weir's Picnic at Hanging Rock. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is the the Australian new wave in a nutshell. It is it is the yin and yang of high and low brow, um, and it's kind of fucking awesome. Um, but they they produced about a hundred and fifty movies, or no, sorry, more than that. But four hundred movies, I think, in uh, in fifteen years, which was mm-hmm. more movies than the country of Australia had produced in their entire history. Uh, they did it in that 15-year that time span. They just were cranking them out. And uh, a lot of them were kind of uh, masked as European or U.S.-based productions. Yeah, we kind of talked about this a little bit where they're, like Mad Max does not feel inherently Australian. Right. Uh, Thirst feels vaguely North American. Uh, probably doesn't hurt that... Um, that there that also thirst had a mix of British actors like David Hemmings, um, you know, and then you um, also had uh, Henry Silva, who's an American actor in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- y- there's there's a feel to it that doesn't feel like you can place it directly in Australia. Yeah, I mean, some were just flat out like they tried to to make you think it was in the U.S. I think that Road Games did that. Um, I'm pretty sure that, oh, fuck, you've got Peter Weir's, uh, Cars at 8 Paris, you know, an right. Australian production that takes place in Paris, right? I, I did air quotes in case yeah. you couldn't see me, yeah. <laughs> That was for Chuck's uh, benefit. Yes, yeah. yes. We'll, we'll pretend for the sake of this podcast that I know nothing about this movement they are talking about. <laughs> just, I'm for very, the, just for this. Very well versed in this, but I'm going to pretend that I am... am <laughs> dumb <laughs> he's just sitting in judgment of what we have to say just in case we fuck up yes yes <laughs> i'm grading this podcast and i mean big careers were launched out, of, so out of this movement you had c plus we got to get that up yeah <laughs> we uh, that up to a b minus you had big careers launched out of the australian new wave movement you had mel gibson obviously <clears throat> is the biggest one but maybe not the biggest one now when you consider nicole kidman came out of this movement she was uh bmx, BMX. bandits yeah i've got that uh, that's someday coming to you to uh, for B movie in about. Yeah, everybody. what year was that? Eighty uh, three, I believe. So she must have been fairly young. She was a teenager, I believe. Yeah, yeah she was. Um, because she was pretty young in Days of Thunder, which of course is the only thing I remember her from is Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. I fucking love that. Movie. <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, she's always also played Irish. She, she we talked about Far and Away far briefly and away, the yeah. other day, other week. Yeah. Um, but then you also have kind of like this. Um, this sort of Australian fetishism that came out of this movement too. Um, 
I grew up with the movie The Man from Snowy River, and that was always that we you know it was it was unabashedly Australian that movie, and um, with Australian accents and Australian actors. Um, even though Brian Dennehy, I believe, was the was the the the, the, pro, the antagonist in that, and I think he's not Australian at all. But uh, no, but I, I feel like it was one of those sort of co-productions between a major studio and Australia. Well, of course, there's Crocodile Dundee. I mean, that's right. Absolutely, our age right. Grew up with. Absolutely. Um, and then it just sort of you know just sort of fizzled out in the late nineties. The well, that's probably all thanks to Yahoo Serious. Probably. Well, yeah, one of the last ones you, you I would say from the the new wave would be like Young Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. Now, oddly enough, I will say this from my perspective. Maybe this will help us get it bumped up to a B. In <laughs> but, um, but as I was working on uh, the article for B-Movie Anima uh, for Sheborg. Oh, we're definitely in B territory now. Yes, um, that's, that's a I fun get it. Move. That's I a, get it. I'll raise. It. I'll raise it uh, just for that uh, joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there is much like there is a underground exploitation movement over here, um, which I'm also quite well versed at, as Jason knows. <laughs> um, but it's also the same thing is happening over in Australia. There's there are these small production companies that are just cranking out movies like, you know, like, Hey, let's make movies like we used to have like a post-apocalyptic or some sort of, um, none of maybe not uh, Sheborg wasn't a, a post-apocalyptic, but there is certainly a sense of, um, dystopia, even though it was just present day normal. Well, you're hitting on another type of Australian new wave film. And that's the one where Australia is the enemy. Like Australia is the, is the antagonist. Right. Well, in this, it was literal uh, alien. Well, I know. <laughs> Sheboard <laughs> from but, Australia, but but you so but you definitely had like the the ones where they were trying to hide it. It was Australian. The one, oh, the yeah. one, the ones where Australia was sort of fetishized, and then you had the ones where Australia was like everything will kill you, which I think is probably the most accurate. Well, yeah, got uh, portrayal spiders. of Australia yeah. because um, like Wake and Fright. Do you ever seen Wake and Fright? I have not. Wake and Fright. That's every morning. Is the me. most yeah. terrifying Australian film I've I've ever seen, and I've seen quite a few. And it is literally like about the, kangaroos and it, stuff. It, well, yeah, I mean they kill kangaroos in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's it, it's it's sort of famous for that scene actually, where they where they um, go on a kangaroo hunt and they actually film the killing of kangaroos, which is mm. pretty disturbing. Um, but it's we, we but it's sort of like yeah, it's sort of did. like the redneck. Uh, Australian film, right? Like the the people of Australia are are backward. The Australians have eyes. Yeah, kind of. Kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. And in if you if you get off the wrong train <laughs> in the wrong town, Australia will fuck you up. It's a U ten. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right. That's probably pretty bad. But there were movies like that. A lot of sure. like Australian movies were were exploited no. for their for their danger. Well, I think what I've not seen any of those types of other than, you know, like it seems like everything in Mad Max is scary. Right. But um, but I can understand that. Right. Because like the Outback is this mysterious plot of nothing for, you know, almost as large as our entire country. Yeah. Probably. I'm probably being a little. Well, it's a continent. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, like the, the <laughs> outback. You you think everything of you think of in in Australia, aside from Tasmanian devils, are along the eastern seaboard. 
seems like the rest of the continent is backwoods, barren, scary. Um, I, I had a moment like that with this film, actually, like just the very opening part of it. And I don't know if I'm getting ahead of us. No, go. But she's good. driving through the desert, basically. Yeah. And it's everything is brown. And then yeah. she goes over a, a small bridge on a river. And then you have a little bit of lushness, like just a line of lushness along the water. Yeah. And that, then she rides back into the brown again. I kind of feel like some of that is just also kind of setting you up for your tone, too. But you're right. Yep. It's like it's there's nothing around the setting of this movie. There's right. a gas station slash diner. There's the, uh, was essentially the VFW hall. Yeah. The firehouse. Yeah. The firehouse. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's run like it's the fucking veterans of foreign wars. Yeah. They're playing yeah. bingo and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, there's, less, there's less one, more thinking. there's one small, maybe little wooded area. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's very sparse. It's not very alive. No. Which also kind of sets you the tone that this movie takes place in a old folks home. Yeah. That's really not very alive. You're surrounded by death. Even the town is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Except for she's oddly that that Montclair is oddly vivacious looking. Yeah. There's a lot of green around it. Mm-hmm. And, well, because uh, uh, Lance is out there. Yeah. Taking care of it. Good old yeah. Lance. Good old Lance. And you also kind of get the sense from her, like she's brought some new energy and new life to it as well. So to set this up, she has, um, her mother has passed away, uh, who has run this um, retirement home at this large mansion that she was left to by her parents called Montclair. Um, and uh, she has passed away and she has, she has bequeathed all of her worldly belongings to her daughter, um, Linda who uh, has been away for quite some time. She has left this town. She has moved, I, I believe it's implied that she's moved somewhere north, probably probably to, to Sydney or, or some other big town where she works at a school for, um, for, for, mentally, for challenged. mentally challenged children. Right. And she has come back to, to the small town that she grew up in and was raised in to take over the responsibilities of this retirement home that her mother left her. Uh, so that's kind of the setup. Um, what I like about this movie from the from the start is the the tone it sets immediately. It um, it you don't necessarily know it to start, but it it starts with the end. And I always love right. when a movie does that. Yeah, it, it gives you something that is going to bookend the film, and you're not quite sure what's happening when this happens. She's she comes out of this convenience store. She comes around the side of the truck to get in, and it's in slow motion. You hear the voiceover of her mother saying, give, basically giving everything you need to know about why she's here. Right, and she's dirty and bloody. and Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. she looks pretty, she looks like pretty bad off. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a good, uh, they're diametrically opposed. Yeah. She's getting great news from her mother while she looks like she's been through hell. Right. Yeah, and then it gives you your credit sequence, which is a, a really cool title sequence. Um, and then she's driving the same truck, but it's pretty clear that this is not the same. That's not a continuation of the same scene. She's in the, the truck with the little boy, and she's driving, and she seems pretty carefree. Yeah, everything's so, good. So there's immediate yeah. disconnect, which you, you're, you're totally disoriented from the start. Right. Um, you're not quite sure what's happening. You know what's happening, but you're not quite sure what you're supposed to feel. And I like right. that. Right. That you're sort of unsettled right out of the gate. 
Yeah, and uh, well, you you brought up the um, carefree. I mean, like everybody's happy to see her back in town. There's, you know, I guess you could say that is part of the uh, bringing a new life back to the town or whatever. And um, everybody in town knew her mother, knew her. Yeah. Uh, so you do also, even though everything is very sparse, there is still that small town feel. And she feels a little uneasy. She mentions it to a little her. unwelcome. Yeah, yeah, right. And I like that. I like that scene where she she meets her old ex boyfriend for a date, and they go and they hang out, and they seem to be kind of falling back into something right. that they had before, and it's really sweet. Um, and then she mentions to him, he kind of pulls it out of her, but she mentions that she feels a little bit unwelcome and he is like, well, what do you expect? You, you left, you've been gone a long time. No one's heard from you in, in for a long time. Right. They're not, it's not that you're unwelcome. They're just curious. They don't well, know. It takes time for you to get back into. Don't know how right. to interact with you. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and it just feels so natural. Like that, that seems to just make a lot of sense. And. Yeah, um, I, I also, oh, damn, I lost my uh, train of thought. <laughs> it was along those same lines. Um, you also, you also really like Linda right from the, from the start. Yes. Right. I mean, she is she, a likable person. She gets to the com the retirement home, I call it a convalescent home, same thing. The retirement home, and she she's so good with this one older gentleman who lives there, Lance. He just wants to help out. He he. Yeah. You get the impression that he's bored. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like this well, is what a, I'm going to be. He's a like. former vet of some uh-huh. wars. You find out in great detail <laughs> yes. later. He he's used to having things to do. Things. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, she she obviously she knows him for so far. However long she's been gone, he's been there the whole time because yes. she had a relationship. With him, and they fall yeah. right back into that yeah. thing. Like, she's his, feels like her totem, for lack of a better yeah, a, a grounding. term, a uh-huh. grounding for her. Yeah, that's a better term. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good, I never didn't think about that. I, I, I sort of thought of him as a father figure, but right, it's a little bit different. It's more of, of a familiarity. Yeah. 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 That's something else that, that I like about the, you don't know anything about her dad. Yeah, you don't. Um that I don't know if that's necessarily deliberate or it's just not important. But it's literally never brought up. Not once. Not once. Not once. It's almost like she's immaculately conceived. Yes, <laughs> by her mother and her aunt. Ooh. 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 <laughs> yeah. Ooh. 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 I like that idea. Yeah. Write that down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, I thought you were writing. Oh, no. you were just making I was noodles. just making noodles. <laughs> so, so she shows back home. She's with Lance. Um, everything's kind of pretty looking at first, and Lance is watering the flowers, and he's like, "Oh, everything is great." And then it rains. Yeah, yeah. well, like a, a, well huge... a storm comes in, and then yeah, uh, she's like, "Oh, never mind that." And she's pulling him away so so they can go get the sheets and the yeah. laundry. Right. And he's still watering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, it's when they were folding the lawn the laundry that uh, that that it begins storming. Um, but it's it's it's. It's sweet, you know. It's you got these right. two people who seem to really like each other, um, and you always have to be, you always have to be careful and, and and worried a little bit when you're watching a horror movie and you see a bunch of old people. It's like, oh no, are they going to be the bad guys? Or right. Are they going to be those? Are they going to be the fodder? 
if it, if this movie was made in 2012 and not 1982, those old people would have been the bad guys. Yeah, or, or they would have been. They would have relied on them for all the scares. And right. There is a little bit of that in this, but it's, it's but it's it's real downplay. I yeah, I agree. Yeah. Which makes it more it's more effective. Yeah. that they're used sparsely in that way. Yeah. And usually I mean, in their I own. I mean, I mean, the yeah. horror is being inflicted upon them. Right. And some of them are more aware of that than others. Right. Uh, Lance, I don't think, is even necessarily aware of the horror that's happening around him, but it is it directly inflicted upon him. I think there's a point where he we haven't gotten there yet, but I'll mention it. He knows something is off. Yeah. And he knows what is off. Well, when she but, asks but he doesn't, together. he doesn't articulate When she it, asks right. about... Yes, yes. Rita. so I don't know if we want to... Right. Well, well, we'll get there eventually, I think. But, yeah, it's because uh, they do mention that Lance... The doctor mentions that with every stroke that Lance has had, he lives more and more in the past. Right, yeah. So when he says something, when we get to that, the doctor kind of brushes it off as, oh, he's he, he doesn't know when it is or what, you know. Right, right. He's still living in that past. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's... But, yeah, it's like, I don't, you know, old people are very interesting when it comes to horror, right? Because what, who is, who generally um, consumes horror? The young. Right. Yes. And so the, the old is something that the young will always be scared of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not so much that they're scared of their grandpas or... Whatever, but they're scared of mortality. It's their future. Yeah, and it's their future. They, yeah. they will someday, no matter how strong and virile they are today, they are going to be old and decrepit, uh-huh. uh, and that hits right around the age of 40. Yep. I, I think at the you. age of 40, you start to hope you can make it there. <laughs> Every right. time right. before then, you're worried. You're worried about being, being there. there. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, yep. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Heard! <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's... Um, it, it's... It, it's nice and neat to see that being used in a different way. That's not right. the source right. of the horror. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I also like about the first act of this movie is is all of the misdirection. This movie tries to present itself to to varying degrees of success as a haunted house movie. Right. Um, yeah. Right down to her her aunt's or sorry her mother's diary where she said there's something evil in this house. Right. Yes. It gives you all of those those tropes that this house is haunted. Yep. And I love movies that do that. I love the the misdirection, especially in a haunted house movie where it's so overdone with that stuff. Right. right? And this is a movie that's, you know, 30, 40 years old almost. God damn, almost 40 years old. Yeah. And it was already sort of subverting the haunted house uh, film. Sorry, spoilers, but this is not a haunted house movie. No. Well, no, it isn't. It's it's an old dark house movie. Yeah. Sometimes is haunted, sometimes isn't. And the, the cool thing is, I want to bring up the scene because we're almost there anyways, the movie tells you at one point exactly what it is. Yep. When, when I don't remember this gentleman's name, but the Linda doesn't want to take any new patients. She plans on selling yeah. the the Montclair home after everyone has passed, basically. Basically, she's, she's running out the clock. Yeah, yeah, she's running out the clock. And she's told that somebody new is coming. Well, that somebody new... A van pulls up onto the driveway. Lightning strikes and knocks a tree over in front of the van. Now, this, uh, well, you, 
Go ahead. Go I'm with just, your thing. Well, no, I was just going to say this whole thing here is symbolic, but we'll get to that later. Okay. So, yeah, I'm talking about the symbolism of yep. the ghost, the ghost, the haunting story. Yes. Um, so when the, when the tree goes down, a young man gets out of the car. Um, he goes around the car to grab something. Then all of a sudden we're presented with this woman sitting on the tree. Right. And it Just looks a like quick cut. Yeah. Quick cut. And it looks like there's a ghost sitting on the tree. But then we see the young man come back around the van with, with a, a wheelchair. wheelchair yep. And we find out this woman is real. So yeah. that's the whole the whole gig is given to you right then. Hey, there's a ghost. No, it's not. a. It's ghost. not a ghost. Yeah. Um, however, you don't realize beyond creepy imagery that this is an incredibly important duo. Yeah, I mean, it's super important to the story, yeah. and you're almost taken out of you, you giving almost, them any credit as being important. Because, because you've been taken away yes. of that ghost. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's the old misdirection. It's, the, yeah. The it's old, a counter It's a double, double misdirection. It is. The, the, <laughs> only other, the only other scene where something doesn't feel right is when um, the, the younger man who brings seemingly his mom to the retirement home yeah. and he's driving down he's the driving road. down the road yeah. in the in the van agreed and he drives up next to her in her car linda's car linda's truck or linda's truck yeah sorry and and it's kind of like making pointing at her and laughing and kind of like making smoochy face yeah he's but kind of thinking flirting. the whole time is like is this guy smiling or is this maniacal like it, right really you get it, that absolutely. feeling absolutely it yeah. feels it feels intimidating it's yes. predatory yeah yes. at the very yeah. Least. yeah 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 absolutely and she takes it in stride, but um, yeah, she's a happy-go-lucky girl. She she takes, but it. she's also kind of like, what the fuck? You well, know? she's like, get around, like yeah. she's waving them by. She's yeah, yeah. but it's uh, but that's also an effective scene too. Yeah, uh, because she is consistently presented with danger because she meets her old boyfriend. What was his name? Bonnie. Bonnie. Barney. 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 <laughs> yes. like Barney Rubble. Barney. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of doofy, but but you're not really <laughs> sure. He sometimes does sinister things. Barney? He's, kind he's of. used sinisterly, like when At he comes in, the, in through yeah. the window. He's he, used sinisterly. I don't think he is sinister. Right. I think they film him yes. that, that it, way. It is another misdirect. It's another misdirect. This is something that yes. uh, yes. certainly I think is a trope of the of the Australian exploitation uh, type stuff because uh, – Day after Halloween does it too with a with a boyfriend character, and, and he's also like, he's also the 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 yokel. He is kind of a know? yokel because he is so laid back. He doesn't seem to take anything seriously, and it almost makes you believe that he's in on it and he's just being aloof. He's, he's or, aloof or, or, and or, bad at, at the misdirect. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. He 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 was suspicious to me a few times. Because of the way they shot him. Mm-hmm. You were flat out calling him a murderer. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's the Wolf Creek murderer in the future. <laughs> he is. Jason okay. told me this. This is true. I did mention that. I mentioned that that Barney is the, he's the most famous actor in this movie by a long shot. Barney was played by, hold on, I'll pull his name up here, John Jarrett. He uh, has been in everything. John Jarrett? He's been in all, like everything Very Australia. Hugh Jackman. He's probably been on everything Australian for the last 40 years, but he is probably best known in the States as uh, Mick Taylor, who is the um, the antagonist of all of the Wolf Creek horror films and the Wolf Creek TV series. I think I I've only ever saw I think I only ever saw the first Wolf Creek movie, which was pretty scary. I saw some of the TV series. Did I, you? Believe. I heard it yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. But he he plays Mick Taylor, the the scary Australian killer. <laughs> 
was a was in a all of those. Stone. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, but he's not American. He couldn't be the drummer for the he, Rolling Stones. Um, <laughs> he was also in ninety-four episodes of McLeod's Daughters. McLeod. I think that my my parents watched that show. It was uh, a pretty popular sort of Australian Western. Um, was it like Little Little House on the Prairie? Sort of, maybe, kind of. Yeah, it, it, but not at all like McLeod. Not at all like the Highlander. No. 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 Or, no, I was talking about the the uh, the show with Dennis Weaver, McLeod. I don't know. Sure. I don't know that. Oh, show. Well, that's a good show. That's a damn good show. He's like this new New Mexico like uh, ranger guy, and he gets uh, he's he's part of a of a of a of a cop swap with New York City. Oh. And so he's he's bringing like this old you know southwestern sensibility to the big city uh. and really really irritates his his chief. Oh, so it's like the fantastic. Midnight Cowboy or like Sorry, Alien that's Nation? Totally unrelated. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like exactly Alien like Nation. Alien Nation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So McLeod's daughters was it ran I think in like from two thousand one through the mid two thousands or something, and he was on a lot of episodes of that. Um, but yes, I told. Um, oh Me. yeah, yeah. I also he was also in in Django Unchained. Yes. yes. Which uh, I think that a lot of that is because Quentin Tarantino is a big fan of Next of Kin. Of course um, he. Yes. Is. Of course he is. Of course. And I'm sure he's written thousands of words on it. I and bet you if we watch a movie of his, we can find. He's actually he's actually on the he's actually on the damn box as he's got a quote on the Severn release. <laughs> <of> this, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and pushing and, all of Jeff's buttons. And he right was now. and he was interviewed in, in uh, Not Quite Hollywood about this movie. Of course he was. Specifically. <laughs> no, of course. But uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff has got... <laughs> Jesus. He hates <laughs> him even. But he Next was one of he was one of the LaQuint Dickey Mining Company uh, employees in Django and Chain. In the, in the scene where Quentin Tarantino totally embarrasses himself with the worst Australian accent I've of ever heard. Of course he yeah. does. Yeah. Of course he does. <laughs> so back to the, back to the movie. Um, Jeff was saying that Barney was in the woods with Linda. Linda's kind of... Barney's kind of disappeared after yeah. he chases her into the woods. Yeah, it's very and playful. She, she's being playful, like, oh, I know you're hiding, but then she sees someone standing... And yeah. he's built a lot like Barney because she's like Barney. What are you doing over Another there? Another ghostial yep. kind of sighting yeah, in this sure. film. Very, very ghosticular. So. Ghosticular. Huh? We think it. Yeah, ghosticular. <laughs> yeah. Barney. Barney shows up behind her, so yes. we know whatever so she sees, is if Barney. she's seeing it, is not Barney. Right. right. And there's then he a lot looks of, and of course it's not there. It's not there. Right. So you, there's a lot of that too, where it's like, uh, as you said when we were beginning to watch it, it's like a whole lot of. Um, do we even trust our own eyes and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a scene when she um, looks out the window and I forget who earlier, she's earlier. Earlier. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's after, the same person. Yeah. 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 She sees right. a figure out the window and she doesn't look away. It's but, just gone. But the camera looks away. And right. then the camera looks back and it's gone. Right. It's like, well, if we're looking with her point of view, right. then it just disappeared in front of us. Right. So it's either a mistake or it's just meant to disorient you. I think it's well. It's playing with the giallo. Yeah, themes, well, absolutely. Uh, uh, and certainly, probably take some cues from like Dario Argento. I'm glad you brought up giallo. Continue Point with that. For me. Yes. No, that's it. Go. Well, <laughs> well, well this is a, I, I, this is where my smart sounding ends. Well, well, you're absolutely right in that. I mean, this is very much a, a giallo type film, and yes. like it's a it's a this sort of 
misdirection mystery. It's not a horror film per se, but it's it's um well, it's a series of mysterious, thrilling events. Yeah, yeah. It's suspenseful. It it reminded me a lot of uh, oh, what is the name of the movie? It I'll f- come back to it. It feels gothic. Jurassic Park. Yes, it feels gothic from the standpoint of the of the the house. Yes, it's absolutely right. gothic, and yeah, and, um, and there's some. Um, there are definitely like the use of dream sequences. Yeah, um, yeah. Slow motion at times. Yeah. Uh, there is definitely a very gothic, um, almost hammer feel to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and oddly appropriately named enough, hereditary. Yeah. It has a lot of a hereditary feel with the, you don't really know if something mysterious is going on or if it's just the film messing with you until a certain point. Oh, uh, yeah. And even right down to the family connection. Right. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Hmm. Point. For Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the movie was written by Michael Heath, who um, well co-written I should say, but he wrote um, a little movie called Death Warmed Up. That's another good one. Yeah, which is a, a Australian splatter gore flick from uh, from a nineteen eighty four, I believe. And a lot of people, I don't know if, if Peter Jackson's on record saying speaking of every any influence but a lot of people think and i think they're probably right that peter jackson's early films were inspired in some way by by death warmed up okay um specifically bad taste bad taste and um dead alive slash brain dead whatever you want to call it yeah um you know what how about in a few weeks we just watch that movie we should let's do it all right let's do it there's another peter jackson film i love we could probably watched oh yeah which one chuck the frighteners oh okay i thought you were gonna say meet the feebles i do love that film but alex keaton is in frighteners alex p keaton alex p keaton oh my gosh canada's finest actor remember the episode Uh, william shatner comes from (laughs) remember the episode where alex p keaton is on speed and he's like, oh god, yeah. he's like all over the place, yeah, rolling around in his, uh, yeah, in his that chair. That was in the that was in the credits. Yeah, man. yes, was it was. Credits. That's my favorite moment in the credits yes. when he spins in his chair and then slaps his desk and puts his <laughs> hand on his head. I love it. That scene with Alice <laughs> Keaton on Speed is second to Elizabeth Berkeley on Speed oh, and Saved by Save the, the Bell. Bell. Yes, yes, yes. Those yes. Are the I'm two so best drug scenes from our childhood. Yeah, of, like yeah. Elizabeth Berkeley was at. Uh, they at both Horror scared now. me straight. They both they both scared me straight. Yeah. They really did. Yeah. I never did any drugs. Never touched a drug. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's N.A. Very Foster's with drinking. It's very likely we're all on PCP right Probably. now. Probably. At least PCP. I pipe it through the vents. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your head is melting. Yes, and it's it is. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So where where yeah, where are we at? Where were we? Um Okay. Well, Heath we Ledger are, wrote this. We are, we are. Yes, Heath Ledger. Yes, Heath dearly Jackson. departed. Uh, Michael Heath. Michael Thank you. Wrote this. But yes, that, I just wanted to mention that 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 most of the people who were involved in the making of this movie did not do much else. Um, the director, the director Tony Williams, did. He was kind of a documentarian. He made a bunch of documentaries. Didn't really make any other features after this. Uh, Michael Heath didn't write much after this. Death Warmed Up, that was about it. 
Um, a lot of the actors and actresses, actors, I guess they're all actors. Ja- Jackie Karen, the lead, Linda, she didn't do much after she's this. Not, well, she still works. Today. She still works, but she's only done a it's little mostly, bit of TV here and TV there, stuff, and not yeah. a lot. I mean, pretty pretty, pretty sparse work. Um, she probably got hooked up with a with a series gig. Um, a lot of a lot of Australian actors worked in Australian television. There was sure. a pretty a pretty robust television um, production scene, and a lot of them I was I was intrigued to, to learn worked on a on a TV show called Prisoner Cell Block H. Yes. Oh oh my God! I've seen some of those. It's about a woman prison. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. It ran from seventy nine to eighty six. Yeah, it's basically a uh, uh, it's like a soap opera in a women's prison. Well, well, about yeah. half of the cast from Nexus of Kin were, were on that, that show at some I'm point. I'm not surprised. Yeah. They probably got killed off. A lot of them probably got killed off around like 82, and then they shot this movie. Or they just... Or they just shot, shot it in the off, on the off. Yeah, any any whatever. idea how this film did? I have no idea. Okay. It made $47 yeah. billion. I'm just wondering <laughs> if, it, if it maybe it failed initially, and that's why we don't see a lot of work from any of the people um, on it. And then it gained I, a cult following. Well, I don't, I don't even know if it's got that much of a cult following. It's, it's. I mean, Quentin Tarantino likes it. Yeah, well, yeah. Of course it does. It, uh. <laughs> it, it's just one that I kind of, I kind of picked up on because of the Severn release, and it looked interesting. They called it an Australian giallo, and I was like, all right. I, Those are sounds, two words I recognize. That sounds cool. And I bought it, blind bought it, and watched it, and it kind of blew me away. Um, you know, here's the thing. I think a lot of those movies, because, it, okay, so because Australia pays, the government pays for the art of film and TV and stuff like much like Canada does, um, I think a lot of things, because Australia is kind of separated from everybody, it, it doesn't have the, it's not like... Um, like in Canada, you know, Canadian actors can come down here and we can go up there and all of that. Um, but I get the impression because a lot of, like the people who made Patrick, those people didn't do anything much more. Or at yep. least at least the guy who played Patrick. Um, so there's there there are a lot of situations like that where you think, um, well, you know, uh, the movie, whether or not it really did well, I don't think it really mattered because it's it's, it's a government sort of grant. Um, didn't really cost anybody anything. It's it's built in. Uh, and, you know, for some people, it's just like, hey, let's have, you know, let's have fun and make a movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and maybe maybe in a way they were able to roll that into making, you know, educational films for Australian schools or whatever. Right. I mean, a lot of stuff like that can happen. And that that's to a certain extent even happens over here. Uh like the the guy who made um, one of my favorite movies, Carnival of Souls. He, oh yeah. He made educational films. And it's like he got he saw the the um Saltaire Pavilion and thought I want to make a movie there. Somehow raised you know like $350,000 or whatever it was. And he made a movie, <laughs> you know, and it was just like it didn't really make anything else after he went back to his job, you know, and and it might. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different because that's here and he had to raise that money and pay people back or do what, you know, or whatever. But over there, probably the same situation, except for the government's paying for it. I um, I you just you watch this movie and it's so stylistically sound. 
that you just wonder, you know, why Tony Williams didn't make really make any other features. I mean, I, I think about some of the, the cuts, some of the scenes, like the scene where um, Linda is, is dropping eye drops into Lance's eyes, mm-hmm. right? And then it, it's almost like that Lawrence of Arabia match cut where it cuts to the outside once as soon as the 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 drop hits his eye yeah right yeah. it's just, it's just this amazingly beautiful stylistic shot um when she runs out of the the bedroom after i guess spoiler after stabbing her aunt rita in the like eye shot from like 30 feet in the air yeah it's like she it, it's it's this they they bring all the the sound her screams down to like this really low pitch right right and she's screaming, you know, within this low pitch while flying out of the room in slow motion. And then the shot from above mm-hmm. and then behind her down the spiral staircase, which is so fucking Italian giallo, by yep. the way. Um, that staircase then, got a lot of play. Yeah, yeah, sure did. And then out the door, it's like, oh, God. I mean, that scene gives me chills every time I see it. Like, it is it is gorgeous. And it's just I, I there's so many moments like that in this movie that I just I, you know, I don't know. Tony. Man, I wish you made more stuff. Right. You know? This was, this was really good. I came into expecting... Patrick Swayze. A little le- <laughs> Yeah, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> so, I was a little miffed at the end when I never saw him. <laughs> but honestly, I, I expected it to be closer to the B scale. Yeah. Not, not knowing a lot about it. Oh, but sure. But it was a legitimate, suspenseful horror film. It didn't need a lot of money. Right. You nope. know, they, they made do with the cuts, which were which were often excellent to yep. confuse you or make you feel or think a certain thing that the director obviously wanted you to for most of it. So it wasn't like willy nilly mm-hmm. s- stuff. And the surrealism. Like yeah. The, like the old drowning man outside of the, the window. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, she, she's in, she's dreaming. She's in a nightmare. She sees the, the visions of, of drowning people when you find out that. That this this old man, you know, that drowned, um, he, she had also had a similar experience when she was a child, where yeah. where an old man had drowned and she discovered the body. So it's sort of like uh, so that that's not did. right. She did, yeah, she did. No, did she? Yeah, yeah. The, when she's when she throws the, the ball, the red, the red volleyball. I thought that was her mom. No, her, mom, her mom is writing her about mom is Linda. Writing about Linda discovering discovering the body. The body. Oh, yeah. okay. Which, I was, which I was I'm having a re- realization now that that body was put in the tub. Yeah, to fuck with her for her to find. Yep, but she probably, didn't find but it. she didn't find it. Right. I'm just piecing that part. So, together. so, yeah. you're, so you're also there's, there's also sort of this mental breakdown aspect of this movie that's at play, right? Which is, is like, kind of like hereditary, right? Is 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 Linda just conjuring all of this up in her mind, like you know when she's looking out the window and she sees something, but it's not actually there. When she goes out of the bedroom, she blows out a candle very deliberately. You see her blow out the candle. She comes back in and the candle's lit again. Yes, right. right? It's like yeah. is she the one? That's imagining all of this, right? So it's just really effective from so many different angles, right? Um, so okay, let's talk about the the end here. Yeah, uh, the end of the show. Uh, the show is over. <laughs> film seizure is ending. The, the film seizure is. Are done. you sure you don't want to go a little bit longer? We're at a B plus right now. Ooh, we oh, should go for an A. We should go for an A. No, you know, I was just talking. Even if we get up, even if we get up to an A plus. Well, if we hit A plus, we're done. The wrap up. Well, it will get us down to probably a C again. <laughs> right. Very, very, very bad. <laughs> we are terrible at wrapping stuff up. Um, no, um, 
<laughs> no, uh, so, okay. Throughout the movie, Linda's reading uh, the diary of her mother. Yes. And the, Chuck and I both were, ooh, look at that. There's a, there's a year, like a bind, bound book. With the year on the on the binding, yeah, she has like fifteen years. Yeah, that's fantastic. Journals, yeah, I love it. And all of her years fit into one page of the, but yeah, or days. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's probably three hundred and sixty-five pages. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah. Fantastic, I love it. <laughs> um, but the so she's reading that, and you know, her mother says there's something evil in this house. There's stuff being, um, you know, people are dying. The old the old folks are uh, having accidents occur to them and stuff like that. And of course, she she discovers that uh, the doctor has been um, uh, putting in something different as the cause of death. So she thinks the doctor's in on it. She thinks Connie's in on it. Who uh, we don't know who Connie is it, on Connie, the podcast. Connie's the yeah. caretaker kind of. Uh, she's like the manager. I the manager. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's the she's the general manager of the of the home. Yeah. Um, and there is a little bit of contention between Linda and Connie. A little bit. A slight bit. A Enough slight to bit. make you wonder if she thinks she's Well, one of involved. them. Right. They, right. they definitely play that up. They're, and one of them actually says that the other dislikes them. Yeah. But yeah. I think that was maybe more of a, oh, she just hates me. You and know? this is right. Connie's livelihood. Yeah, and, and she is concerned about bringing she, more people in. Right. We she, need the money. But, but, but Linda is sort of contentious about that because Linda really probably is really thinking seriously about selling the place. She doesn't. Right. She doesn't want to be in her hometown again because right. I mean, once you leave, you don't really want to go back home. Right. Right. Um, she's got a life to get back to. Exactly. And so, um, she's fine running out the clock, however long that takes. Right. But she doesn't want to extend the clock. Right. Um. So the. Uh. But anyway. So at the end, we, all is revealed that the lady that was dropped off, the ghost lady, the ghost lady, is actually her aunt Rita. Yes. And the guy who is taking care of her, you assumed was her son, but is like a just a crazy person. Yeah, I I, I was He's thinking the one about who's that. He's actually killing people. I she think, said nephew, but that doesn't make sense because. I think that he's. I think um, it's just a, a boy. I yeah. think he's someone that she met at the the, the mental institution. Time. Okay, that makes one hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So here we go. So now she says, "Your mother." stole this place from me she was the one who killed people and sent me away for it and mm-hmm. now i've come back to claim what's mine what's mine right yeah is that real yeah i don't know so here's my thought that's a good thought here's good thought. my thought everything that her mother was writing in the diary when she was saying there's something evil in this house she was talking about her sister yeah okay right yeah. right she she did, couldn't name it obviously or the movie would be ruined right <laughs> yeah but but so she did she did discover that her sister had been killing people her sister had k- killed the person who Linda found in the tub yeah and she was sent away for it because they don't talk about any deaths in the last however many years right and as soon as this woman comes back death the deaths start occurring again okay so I think that is legitimate okay. I think it's I, supposed I agree. to be taken that way I agree. Okay, so so that's just Rita's twisted mind. Yes, doing she's a little... trying to turn it back. What she did back onto her Linda's mother. Yeah, hmm. Rita could run for president. Yep. <laughs> timely jokes. She probably full win. Of timely jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So while Rita's telling her all this, she's whispering in in Linda's ear. 
who is standing against a locked door. And it, it almost looks like it's creepy, but it almost looks like she's consoling her a little bit. But all the while, behind her back, she's unlocking the door. That's very giallo, for, too. Yeah. The turning for, of the key. And, uh, I'm just going to call him Creepy Calvin, because I don't know his name. <laughs> yeah. For cool. Creepy Calvin to come in with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. And you have him. Like a mallet. Like, yeah, it's a mallet. It's, yeah. it's a bloody. Uh, uh, and Rita's bloody. He's bloody. Somebody had killed Barney downstairs. At this point, you've, already, you've already seen Barney killed. You've seen Connie and Dr. Barton killed. Not yet. Oh Doc, well, Connie and Doctor Barton are in but, the moment. But Barney okay. and when his girlfriend sends Glenda left town. Yep. Yes. So so he has this weird like he's obviously a crazy person. Yes. He's like p- pounding the hammer on the ground. Oh, like a, like an animal. Yes. Like, it's like, like a rich, it's like ritualistic almost. Yeah. Where, yeah more like, like an like animal. A, uh, yeah. Right. Like, uh, it would be like what a gorilla would do to keep you. Yes. To yeah. keep you in place. I am the right. dominant yeah. alpha. Yep. This yeah. is this is my kingdom thing. And so she tries to run away from him. He grabs her. Um, and she somehow escapes after a little fight. You know, they're Kicks on the bed. Kicks him in the balls, doesn't she? He's like he, he licking pin, her. He pins her on the bed. Yeah, this is really And he's actually. like nipping at her. It's so, ooh. And yeah, she kicks creepy. him in the balls. And she kicks him in the balls and, and runs away. And then knocks him out. Uh, Hits him on the back and, with a chair. And, yeah. that's, yes. and that's when that, that, that just chilling scene of her flying out. Of, well, no, she goes oh, in the bathroom. That's, that, that's right. She goes in the bathroom and, and closes the door. That's she sees. She sees Connie and the doctor. Yeah, who now we realize the only thing they were legitimately hiding was, was that they let Aunt Rita back into the house. Well, I don't think they knew. They no, they, I think they knew. Really? They knew because Connie said to the doctor, you should just tell her. I think that. I think I think they were hiding the family dirt. Yeah. I think. Oh, so maybe they, they didn't know. I think, I think they were hiding. Yeah. I think they were hiding that she was not dead. Okay, not That's dead, fair. and the fact that she was a murderer, right. which could bring sh- small town that could be a major. Right. major I, think, I think you could. The read reason that both why ways, she was yeah, in disguise with... was to trick them. They didn't. I don't think they realized. Right. Well, she, she had was. to trick Linda too. Yeah, but Linda would be easier. Yeah, to trick. they'd be more complicit if they if they knew. Yeah. And the, no, the disguise I don't. I don't would think like, they knew. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they. Knew. So they were hiding that. Yes, the that only she, thing that they, they were hiding was still alive, and they were still paying for her to be in the hospital right. that she was in. That's right. right. That was what all those errant yeah. payments right. the were for. The two hundred fifty dollars yes. payments. So yes. this is a really cool scene too, because they shoot, you know, through the keyhole while Linda's against the door trying to hold it. Her aunt starts saying creepy things like, "Well, I can she's like, see I can you. see you because she can look through the keyhole into, into the, the mirror. mirror, which reflects yeah. which back. is super cool, oh, right? That's so creepy. I love so it. Linda." If somebody wants to take over here, they can. But Linda leans over and takes the the, the most dangerous. Comb. So th- this is that moment. Everything's deadly in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Even the combs are deadly. Because yes. there's a fucking uh, looks like an awl. I think at it's the a hairpin. It. I think you're supposed to use it as a hairpin. Oh, it is. so you could comb it and stick it in yes. as a hairpin. Yes, yeah. that's what I think it is. It's I just thought purpose. it was like a, a can, comb. Slash it can comb awl. your hair. It can keep it in place, and it can poke fucking shit out of your eyeball. Yes, and yes. also yeah. make and also has, also make very very nice etchings on wood. Sure, yes. yeah. Because Linda's really smart. She realizes as the camera is showing us how and. Uh, Rita, Rita. Rita, lovely Rita, um, <laughs> is viewing her, and she sticks this end of the comb through the keyhole, and that's the end of Rita. Yeah. Pretty much, I yeah. Mean, that went that's, all the way through right into her brain. And yeah. this is when we mentioned, or Jason had mentioned right. early, this really cool scene where Linda takes off, and we're, we're filming great heights. differently. It's and, awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Did you want to go from there? No. Well, there she, was well, also she gets, a really cool shot. One thing uh, when there was it was something during the late second act i think where 
uh, Linda is looking at one thing, and, you're, and the camera is basically on her like over her le- left like shoulder, like her o- over her left shoulder, and she's looking at something, and, and the camera is like showing us what she's looking down the hallway at. She turns around, and the camera comes oh, back around. Yeah. And stays on that shoulder, and that's a really cool it's shot. It's just, it's a, such a well-shot movie. It really is. Um, and then, yeah, so she gets away. She gets her truck. She, she, um, the truck had been locked up in the garage earlier, pres- presumably by by Aunt Rita and her crazy lackey. Yeah. But she gets in the garage and she just busts she just through, busts that, through that motherfucker. Yeah, breaks the lock and she she's gone. And she's like, all right, I, I don't really know where to go. So she goes to the the gas station from the beginning of the movie, and there she meets um, Nico, Nico, a little boy who who is the son of the proprietor of the she, gas station, the boy who's in the back of the truck at the beginning, at the beginning of, the of the movie, right? Yeah. And she gets there and. Um, I love this because there's this little scene earlier in the movie where it sets up the fact that the payphone doesn't work. Yep. Right. But she's like, that's the only phone I know of. I got to go there and see if I can call the authorities. Right. But she goes there. Nico's up in his pajamas playing pinball. Cause of course, of course. I mean, he's like 10 year old boy. I would yeah, be playing pinball too. too. Um, and he, uh, and she goes to try to make a phone call. Phone still busted. So she moves the, one of the arcade machines in front of the door and you get the sense that she's sort of in shock. She doesn't know what to do. And she's going to wait this out. Like if she, she, knows wait, if she waits till morning, maybe, you know, someone can come to help her before, before more danger happens. Before you get to the rest of this, can yeah. I bring up two awesome things Please do. about this movie? I have a problem a lot with foreshadowing. Yeah. Foreshadowing in film often annoys me because it's so deliberate. And I know that there are people that need to be hit over the head with stuff. So I guess it's okay. But in this film, something that's going to come up in a minute, when Linda first shows up at the house, she's trying to close a window, and there's water getting in, and there's loose-ish wires yeah. above the window. <laughs> yeah. And someone says, uh, Connie says, you should watch out for the for the wires. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, foreshadowing. This is deliberate. It's, it's, sort, right? of, it's sort of a version of Chekhov's gun, yeah. Yes, but they leave the house without the wires ever coming up again right again later or earlier in the film when she is eating with barney at the place again uh yeah yeah when the phone isn't going to work Uh and the lady's using the phone it's not the center of the shot it's a lady screaming in the background that the phone (laughs) doesn't work Yeah. yeah which makes it really cool because i know I'm supposed to be listening to this for a reason, but it's not the focal point. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's a well, cool so it's all way to do foreshadowing. Stuff again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, both of those things are, are the elements of the, of the misdirection of this movie. Yeah, and um, I loved them as foreshadowing because yeah. they weren't typical. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. But go exactly. Yeah, they're yep. not. Yeah, it's not like, hey, so here's this book that has everything you need to know yes, about it. Yes, you know, and uh, if you need it, it's just going to be over here. But yeah. also, but also, if you're going to have a scene at the end where you need to use the phone and the phone isn't and the phone shouldn't work because you need the phone not to work for your story, it's better to set that up, right? Sure. Right. I just love the it, way they set right. It up. And then if you're going to set it up, let's not make it obvious. Right. 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 And the way, yeah, the way you did it was very stylistic. It's like CYA. It's almost like cover your ass. Yeah. Like, pr- yeah. Filming. Yeah. And, but I, you're but not going to get me on this one because <laughs> I put it in there. Right. 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 Exactly. But it's such a simple thing. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, and it works within the context of the whole script as well. When a movie, when somebody is thinking of the totality of the movie, and even the little things, 
that's usually the makings of a pretty good movie. Now, there are plenty of people who overthink those types of things, right? Right. And those are the people who are going to really hit you over the head with something stupidly. But then there are people, when when they think about the the totality of everything, and it's like, okay, well, what are some of the other things that you see early in the movie, particularly at that diner, right at the beginning of the movie? That place is alive. Yeah. That is the last living place in this town. Mm-hmm. Right. There are people saying stuff over here, and there's people saying stuff over there, and people shouting from the back. People, you know, up front, it's like, where's my goddamn hamburger or whatever? Light yep. on the onions. <clears throat> and yeah, it, and right. It, and it's also the it's also the movie's final victim. Yes. It sure is. Yeah. Well, it, I was going to say that later. Like, the, that's the death of the town. The whole town uh-huh. is dead. Is now dead. Yep. Yeah. And this film ends. But go ahead. We You were just saying she was sitting there. Yeah, so... Um, so this movie it's 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 a movie of bookends uh in a lot of ways too. You you also have the scene in, early in the movie where she's in the 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 gas station diner and she's balancing forks. Right? Yes. And she's balancing forks with the little boy and the little boy's helping he's like, "Oh, watch this." And he puts another fork on top and everything spoon. Spoon, 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 yes. Yeah. And everything is in perfect balance, right? right. Everything seems right. You know? And oh, this then is another Glorious and then moment. at the end of the movie, she is um, she's totally dazed, and you know that there's another shoe that's going to drop. You know, you you could see three movies in your life and know that shit's still going to happen in this movie, right? And she's she's stacking sugar cubes in a pyramid, and it's kind of an elongated scene too, which yeah. is great. It kind of the little boy, little. it's oh, it's it's a really really great scene because the little boy knows that he doesn't know what's wrong, but he knows that that Linda needs something and he wants to help her. And he keeps right. offering her things like ice cream and candy bars and, and things, right? <laughs> it's it's almost comedic. Yeah, uh, he's just like like memory, like just yeah. listing off these things that he could offer her. He's this also is like the humor in films that I like, as contrary to it too that we recently talked yeah. about. They threw in the humorous elements when they in the fit. weirdest spots. Yeah. yeah, this movie put in humor. 100% where it belonged. And in realism, too. Yes. 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 Sorry. He, he, he also he also has um, his army helmet on. Oh, so good. And like an army jacket. And <laughs> he's, he's got a box of bullets. Yeah, he's got like a, a shotgun and a box of shells <laughs> on the table. And, and Linda is stacking sugar cubes. And she is, she's got to the top level where she's one sugar cube short. And um, the, the, the dish that she's taking sugar cubes from is empty. And uh, Nico pushes that dish away and pushes a full uh, dish of sugar cubes towards her where she grabs one and she puts it on top of the pyramid. The last one. Yep. The last cube and it topples. And but what do you hear when it topples? Right. You hear a low distorted yes. grumble. Yes. And why is that? You, <laughs> it's because the, our creepy crazy Calvin. creepy Calvin <laughs> has driven is driving his van through the front window of the convenience store. Cackling. Cackling. Yes. And <laughs> and this is where you get the reintroduction of of wires and of Chekhov's gun. Right. Of the the wiring. Yes. Yeah. So you've got the wiring dangling from it's sparking, from, it's from, sparking. The, from the damage. You have um, Nico the, under a table loading a shotgun, <laughs> trying which is, his best to shoot. But what he what does he do? He shoots the gas uh, tank. He shoots yeah. the gas tank. So the gas, gas tank is, is leaking. Um, the 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 crazy Calvin his he shatters his own windshield with his mallet, and he's just gonna, to cackle at them. Yeah, yeah. he's going yeah, to cackle at them. He's going to climb out of the windshield. 
But um, Linda, oh, it's almost like she just kind of snaps back into reality. Well, Nico's well, yelling. Nico's yeah. yelling at her, so she's frozen, and Le- Nico's like, "Linda, Linda, Linda!" And he starts. He I throws think, the gun at her, I yeah, think, or yeah. he slides the gun to her or yeah. something. And then she's like fucking Rambo, picks up that goddamn gun, <laughs> and like, like fucking Rambo, <laughs> go, walks up to the motherfucking van and just. Blammo head head explodes. Head explodes. Which yeah. amazing. Can love I love it? I love it too. Love I, it. I love it so much. There's no there's no prolongated struggle. There's no cat and mouse. It's like blow this it's motherfucking it's just, head. It's off. just I'm in a position of, of of power all of a sudden. You you fucked up this this place. You've now put yourself in a position of um, weakness you've also killed all my friends you've killed all my friends i have a shotgun i'm gonna fucking blow your head off and i do i love it yeah i but love it we're not done yet no we're not so uh so now we reconnect to the beginning of the movie yes uh she is she has loaded nico into the into the truck she's tired she's dirty she's bloody we see that point where she's looking at the at the at the diner it's now we're back to the continuity of the first moment yep. of this movie and the fucking place explodes. Yeah. Yeah. So they so drive she away. snaps to again. It's like, I'm getting in the car or getting in the truck. We're taking off. It's the, it's the, the last piece of life in town is dead. Uh, when the, the gas station explodes. And I love this, um, this, this shot. So the, the car is driving out of, of town on the road and the, the camera is in the truck bed and it's facing out. Uh, along the road outside right. of town, right? Like the 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 diner is behind it, and I think the idea of the, for this was that the car was going to drive drive off, and then the camera was going to turn and catch the entire explosion. Well, that didn't happen. the 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 detonation went off sooner than they thought. So, but it's really cool because there's a there's a sign, a road sign, where you can see the explosion reflect in. You can see the glare off of it. And then the cameraman's like, oh, shit, it's already fucking blowing up. <laughs> so he turns the camera back around, and you see the secondary explosion light the, the whole gas station. tertiary, yeah. uh, all of the explosions. Penultimate, yeah. ultimate. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's this amazing. This place explodes. It, it's, it, and it seems so perfectly artistic, the way that that right. shot is choreographed, but it was a total mistake. And, and I love that. And then run credits. Yeah. yeah, and then run credits. Over the explosion, perfect, this movie it's is beautiful. Amazing. By the way, if you're worried about Lance... He was saved. <laughs> yeah, Lance lives. Lance, Lance runs lives. off into the night. Most yeah, of the old people live too because they're on a they all trip. went on a field trip. Yeah. yeah, and the and the van broke down. I feel like, or the bus broke down. I feel like that may have been a machination of Crazy Calvin. Could have been Crazy Calvin. Uh, just to get, just to have fewer people to have to yeah, plow through. to have to deal with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair. You leave only the people that mattered in this place. Um. Yeah. I just uh, wonder why Linda needed to be punished by Rita. I I, she's Rita's exacting crazy. revenge. Yes, yeah, she is crazy. Well, most of them, a lot of revenge tends to be generational. Uh, we're not going. I mean, if I if I can't kill the person I'm most mad at, I'll just take out. Okay, fair. The next generation. To me too, it feels a little bit like um, like maybe Rita was just sort of in a a state of resignation or lull. Right, and the news of her sister's death probably reached her. The news that all of her sister's belongings were given to that's Linda probably too. reached her, and right. that probably like angered her so and, and brought motherfucker. Her, that's brought why. her out of of a dormancy. 
Yeah, would be my guess. Fair. Yeah. News bad. Um, one final thought I have is the score for this movie. I fucking love it. It is by Klaus Schultz. Klaus Schultz was the original drummer for Tangerine Dream. He was only with Tangerine Dream for about a year. He left. Um, he was on their uh, their original album, though. Um, their debut album, Electronic Meditation, because, of course, that's Tangerine Dream album name, right? Right. Um, <laughs> he left, though, and started a new I figured it would have been, like, you know, Green Apple Nightmare or something. <laughs> <laughs> He started another band, uh, left that band after a year as well. Klaus Schultz, I think, was was really just destined to do his own thing. He made a bunch of solo albums. Um, in 1980, he made a solo, al- solo album called Dig It. Um, and on that track, track one was Death of an Analog, which is essentially the main theme for Next of Kin. Uh, he was commissioned to write the score for Next of Kin, which he really wrote around that theme. Um, he wrote a full score for it, which was actually rejected in, in almost in full by um, the producers of the film. They, they opted to just take little bits and pieces from, from it instead. And, and, and really, most of the score is around Death of an Analog. But a lot of the cues and things were just sort of snippets of, of his full score. Um, for a long time, it was thought to be a lost score. Um, no one really knew what happened to it. Uh, but it was found and released this year, in 2019. Interesting. Yes, um, the full score. Um, so a lot of the, the 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 music that was not used in the film was released on this score. Nice. And it's very good. Um, you own it. I do. On vinyl. On vinyl. Of course. You do. Yes, I also of course dig you it. Do. When when I when I first heard this movie or saw this movie, uh, the only way I could get any portion of the score was on the uh, was on the album dig it right so i bought that album and then the score came out and i was like oh shit this is all just just happening for me right now and i bought that speaking of the sound because we talked a lot about the shots and the intelligence of that Mm -hmm. even the way the sound was used Mm -hmm. in this movie the sound sound design design is amazing sound design is excellent yeah yeah well yeah boyos yeah boyos what else you got in your notes? I'm good. I think I hit everything. Um, so, yeah. I think I hit everything. Um, there, There's one honorable mention of of parts in this film. Um, like, when, when, like when Barney's watching uh, watching Linda just change clothes. That was good. That or was, uh, that less was thinking. Or less drinking and more thinking. That's good, too. <laughs> That's, That's good. good, too. But the, my f- one of my favorite lines of the whole film is when, at the end, when she's sitting at the table about to do the sugar cubes or doing the sugar cubes, and Nico's sitting there with his army gear on and a gun she asked him to get. Yeah. And he's like, did you and Barney have a fight? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great because it's like he has no idea. Like, he has no right. clue. He has no clue. He's this sitting is, there this, ready trying for to get war. Something from he's her. ready yeah. for war, and yeah. his first thought is... <laughs> Did you and Barney have a fight? <laughs> like Barney is like the fucking Australian yeah. Navy yeah. about to come through. Yeah. I also yeah. like I also like that she she immediately bonded with this boy because who was probably a baby if if Well, she was probably his babysitter. Maybe when she left, but he could have had been just a little thing. There's no way he remembered her. You know, but they have this bond that's just immediate and cute and it doesn't need any explanation. Well, she's also a is. teacher. That's true. So, that's true. Well, yeah. So you guys like it? it? You guys dig it? I like it a lot. Dug it a bunch. Sweet. Yeah. Um yeah, I liked it quite a bit. It was nice and moody. 
I feel like this would be a good midsummer horror to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it does feel like it's a it's it's during the summer down there. Um, yeah, it's hot, real hot, real, real hot. Because they're having the sex scene and they're all sweaty, it's all sweaty, sweaty and gross. And be like, ah, get off. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh no, I I liked it quite a bit. Um I recommend it to anybody looking for a good little old dark house thriller. Yeah. Cool. I echo that. <laughs> echo. <laughs> do, do, what's the what's the um the thing in catch me if you can? I concur. I concur. Be careful. Ditto. Be careful. Since it's a, we're gonna, we're gonna, fake we're gonna, ghost movie with Patrick Swayze not in it, I'll just say ditto. Ditto. <laughs> Bingo. Nailed it. Oh, you saved our A right there. <laughs> yeah. You saved it. Um, <laughs> next week, um, Jason and I are going to watch another uh, music movie. Uh, I'm not there. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Bob Dylan sort of movie. Sort of. Sort of. Bunch of people playing Bob Dylan. Uh, I've using never his seen it. It's it's nice. It's a little anthology. It'll be interesting to see it. Um, Kate Blanchett was nominated for Best Actor or Supporting Actress for playing that version of Bob uh-huh. Dylan. Yep. Um, Richard Gere plays a version of Bob Dylan, a little black boy in Heath Ledger. Bunch of people. Yeah. Ben Winshaw was one of them, too. Oh, I like him. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's next week. Um, Chuck, a few weeks. Let's do that. Uh, let's do the Peter Jackson idea. You I had. like that. I yeah, like you that. Like let's that? do a Peter yeah. Jackson matinee. We should watch the Peter Jackson matinee. movies. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, All right, Jeff. Yeah. Where, where can people hear us? Save they can hear grade. us at filmseizure.com, uh-huh. where new episodes every Wednesday. Yeah. Mondays are Monster Mondays. Yeah. Um, we also every now and then do uh, stuff like uh, Film Caesar at the movies. There. Yeah. But. Uh, we also, uh, so all that stuff gets uploaded to SoundCloud, which also gets sent out to places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as TuneIn and Spotify. I also upload stuff to uh, YouTube, because why not? Yeah, sure. Why not? What else do you do? What else do you write about? I write about stuff at bmovieanima.com. Uh-huh, sure That's do. Friday mornings. Yeah. You can go over there. Where can they email us? Uh, filmseizure at gmail.com. That's it. That's it. That's the place. That is the place. Where can they follow us? You can follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Film Seizure. Fantastic. We did it. We did it. Until next time. I'm Chuck. I'm Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Jason Oliver. And you have been listening to Film Seizure. <laughs> <laughs>